0: For those who stumble upon this humble talk cast, though it is a talkcast of spiritual proportions, it is a humble segment in your life. The host promises not to sound like traditional programs of biblical narratives, nor is Simplicity Radio a program infiltrated by dogmas and creeds of traditions of men and their confusions. It is instead intended to open some minds of listeners to a realm of answers, perhaps related to your feelings of doubt, doubt that has caused you to wonder about your long-standing beliefs. Your host has been asking for and been given increments of simplicity for decades. Then, one day he was given simple inspiration to access a group of wise spirit consultants through their writings, Messages written down by a penman, enlightening all who are inspired to read the Paget Messages as written down by James Paget. And now, this episode from May 25th, 1917. I am here, Jesus. I have been with you as you prayed and joined in your prayer to the Father for the inflowing of His great love into your soul in great abundance. And I know that his Holy Spirit is present, and that his love is flowing into your soul, and that you are becoming in at one with the Father. His love will always come to you when you pray, as you have tonight, and his listening ear is always open to the earnest aspirations of his children, who come to him with the true longings of the soul. You have the secret of reaching the Father's love, and on all occasions, when you feel that need, that love, or desire, a nearness to the Father, use the secret, and you will not be disappointed. You are in better condition tonight in your soul development and perceptions, and can receive my message, which I have desired for some time to communicate, and to do which I was waiting only for you to be in complete report with me." Well, you will remember that in the early stages of our writings I communicated to you my knowledge and conception of who and what God is, and that I have recently told you that I desired to write the message as your condition is now much better to receive these truths than it was when the message was written, and so tonight I will deliver the message and will take a more complete possession of your brain and control of your hand than I was able to do at the time mentioned. Then the question is, who and what is God? In dealing with this question, you must realize that it is not so easy to describe in language that mortals can comprehend the essence and attributes of God, and I feel the limitations that I am under in endeavoring to give you a satisfactory description of the only and true God, not because of the paucity of knowledge and conception on my part, but because of the fact that you have not required the sole development to enable me to form the necessary report with you, in order that your brain may be expressed the exact truth as to who the Father is. Well, to begin, God is soul, and soul is God. Not the soul that is in the created man, but the soul that is deity and self-existent, without beginning or ending, and whose entity is the one great fact in the universe of being god is without form such as been conceived of by man in nearly all ages and especially by those who believe in the bible of the hebrews as well as in that of the christians but nevertheless he is of form which only the soul perceptions of the soul of man which has arrived at a certain degree of development that has taken on the divine nature of the Father and thus become the part of the soul of God can discern and realize an entity. There is nothing in all nature with which men are acquainted or have knowledge of that can be used to make a comparison, even in the spirit perceptions, with this great soul, And hence, for men to conceive of God as having a form in any manner resembling that of man, is all erroneous. And those who, in their beliefs and teachings, deny the anthropomorphic God are correct. And let me interject here the footnote on that Ampo for Attribution of human motivation, characteristics, or behavior, to inanimate objects, animals, or natural phenomena. That is the definition given of the word that Jesus used, anthropomorphic. But nevertheless, God is form, such as to give him an entity and substance and seed of habitation, is contradistinction to that god which in the teachings of some men is said to be everywhere in this substance and entity in the trees and rocks and thunder and lightning and in men and beasts and in all created things and in whom men are said to live and move and have their being No, this concept of God is not in accord with the truth, and it is vital to the knowledge and salvation of man that such conception of God be not entertained or believed in. To believe that God is without form is to believe that He is a mere force or principle or nebulous power, and as some say the resultant of laws, which laws as a fact, He has established for the controlling of His universe of creation, and which are expressed to men by those very powers and principles that to some extent they can comprehend. The child has asked, Who made God? And because the wise men cannot answer that question, in their wisdom they conclude and assert that there can be no real God of personality or soul form, and hence only force, principle, or evolved laws can be God and in their own conceit think that they have solved the question. But the child may not be satisfied with the answer, and may ask the wise men, Who made principle and force and laws that must be accepted as the only God? And then the wise men cannot answer unless they answer, God, which they do not believe, but which, let me say, is the true and only answer. God is back of force and principle and law, which are only expressions of his being, and which without him could not exist, and they are only existences, changeable, dependent, and subject to the will of God, who only is being. God then is soul, and that soul has its form, perceptible only to itself, or that of man which by reason of the sufficient possession of the very substance of the great soul has become likened to God, not in image only, but in very essence. We spirits of the highest soul progression are enabled by our soul perceptions to see God and his form, but here I use the words see and form as being the only words that I can use to give mortals a comparative conception of what I am endeavouring to describe. When it is remembered that mortals can scarcely conceive of the form of the spirit body of a man, which is composed or formed of the material of the universe, though not usually accepted to be of the material, it will be readily seen that it is hardly possible for me to convey the faint idea even of the soul from God, which is composed of that which is purely spiritual, that is, not of the material, even though to the highest degree sublimated. And although I am not able, because of the limitations mentioned, to describe to men that form which they may glean a conception of the soul's form, as such form can be seen only with the soul's eye, which eyes men do not possess, It must not be believed that because men cannot understand or perceive the truth of the soul's form, therefore it is not a truth. A truth, truth of the soul's form, therefore it is not a truth. A truth, though, not conceived or perceived by men, spirits or angels, is still a truth, and its existence does not depend upon its being known, And even though all the mortals of earth and the spirits and angels of heaven, save one, could not perceive the existence of that truth, yet its existence, perceived by that one, irrefutably proves its reality. But as I have said, the truth of God's form, the soul's form, can be testified to by more than one of the celestial spirits of men passed from earth and the possibility is before mortals of the present life in the great future if their souls have become possessed of the divine substance of God's love in sufficient abundance to perceive God, as I have attempted to explain. The created soul of man has its form, it being made in the image of God, yet man cannot see that form, although it is a fact and can be testified to by many in the spirit realms. And here it needs to be said that when in our message we speak of God as being without form, we mean any such form as men have or think they have conceived of, and our expressions must not be considered a contradictory to what I have tried to explain as the form of God. Well, in addition to the form, God has a personality— And this is expressed and made known to man by certain attributes which to the consciousness of man is existent in the universe. And to some philosophers and scientists and wise men, these attributes are all their impersonal God himself and to them the only God. They make the created the creator, not realizing that behind the expression must be the cause and that greater than the attribute must be that from which the expression of the attribute is projected, or as they better like to say, evolved. And here I, who know, desire to say that these manifested attributes or forces and powers and principles and laws and expressions do not altogether constitute or be that form which they flow or in which they have their source. God is himself alone. His attributes or expressions manifested to mortals or spirits are only the results or effects of the workings of his spirit, which spirit is only the active energy of his soul himself, and hence the form of God is not distributed over the whole universe of creation where his attributes may be, or because they are everywhere manifested." No, as was said by Moses of old, and as was said by me when on earth, God is in his heavens, and although it may be surprising and startling to mortals to hear, God has his habitation, and God the substance, the self-existing and soul-form, has his locality, and men do not live and move and have their existence in God, but in his emanations and expressions and spirit they do. As you are somewhat exhausted, I think this is a good place to stop. I'm pleased that you're in such good condition, so be prepared for an early resumption of this message. With my love and blessings, I will say good night, your brother and friend, Jesus. In my many years in broadcasting, I've never announced any script more newsworthy than segments of the pageant messages, this broadcast of the Good News Sampling may find you wanting more. In your favorite Internet search engine, search for the Paget Messages or James Paget. Tune in another archived episode for yet another message segment. The Paget Messages are the result of a spiritual journey by a Methodist lawyer living in Washington, D.C., who lost his wife Helen at age 51 in 1914. James Paget received spirit messages through a gift of automatic handwriting during the years of 1914 to 1922. His insatiable want to communicate with his wife Helen began the communications with spirits. Many spirit messages were received and the relevance is life-changing to all who are seeking to understand. A district attorney living in our nation's capital had the close support of friends Dr. Leslie Stone and Eugene Morgan. The host of this program acknowledges the invaluable resources of this public domain content from which the contents of this program you just heard was read from and which can be accessed at new-birth.net. Good night.